Sister Podcast, an award-winning podcast about indigenous food. I'm Andy Murphy. I'm back. Sorry for taking a break and not telling you. I just needed to take a break. Anyways, in that time, I won an award. Toasted Sister took first place in general excellence at the Native American Journalists Association 2019 National Native Media Awards. That is pretty exciting. I'm going to be going to the annual NAJA conference in September in Minnesota to first lead a panel on covering Native food in the media and then to get my award. That was very exciting on my break. And as always, thank you so much for listening and saying really great things about Toasted Sister. I really love what I do here, and I'm so ready to jump back in there and help tell more food stories. I've got a couple of episodes planned, so stay tuned. Follow me on social media and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podcast Addict, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm also working to get it on Spotify. And if you could, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really helps get the word out about this podcast. And if you are so inclined, head on over to ToastedSisterPodcast.com where you can purchase a Toasted Sister coffee cup or donate any amount there. All right, so on to this special extra long episode. You've heard Monica Brain's name a few times in this podcast. Uh, she's the co-worker who helped inspire me to start this podcast. And we are both producers at Native America Calling Radio Program. And she got herself all mixed up in the financial wellness game and started a Facebook group called Natives on a Budget. It's going to be its own podcast, so I'll let you know when it comes out later. But Monica and I started talking about food and how much money we spend on food, and that just led to a friendly challenge that we call the 31-Day No Eating Out Challenge. And in this hour, you'll hear our journey through this challenge, along with an interview with a financial education consultant and from Ben Jacobs uh, from Takabe Restaurant in Denver. But first, we'll start with the rules of the challenge, which we did a couple months ago. Let me just read, read a couple of them here. I'll read number two. No begging your family or friends to buy you takeout or something to eat at a restaurant, food joint, fast food joint, or food truck. Rule number one, no restaurants, no fast food, no food trucks, no takeout, no coffee shops or gas station foods. Yeah. I think no coffee shops and gas station foods because, you know, you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a corn dog at a gas station last weekend or yeah. the weekend before. Mm. It was not good. <laughs> You want to read three, four, and five? Sure. <clears throat> okay, so rule number three is you may eat a gift of food from a date or from someone who's trying to pay you back for a favor, but the suggestion is that you cook for the date. I, I don't. That's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Highly I'm too unlikely. Busy for that. <laughs> Riff raff. <laughs> Frozen foods from the grocery store are okay, but stay away from the hot bar at Whole Foods. And that rule is specifically for me. For you. Yep. <laughs> and this challenge is for 31 days. You don't have to fail. If you, uh, if you end up cheating, you can add a day or two um, to the end of May 11th to make up for the days that you ate out. We started the challenge really to see how much money we would save. So Monica talked with Sean Spruce, a financial education consultant. He's Laguna Pueblo. Food costs are an enormous, enormous expense in many households when it comes to disposable income. Uh, so many families, Native families especially, spend a lot of money on food. And the sky's the limit in terms of you go out to eat. You know, it's nothing to spend $30, $40 on a meal for two or three people, sometimes more. And uh, it adds up really, really quickly. 
absolutely. I have really stopped eating out after my daughter was born. She's five years old. We, we couldn't eat out out of necessity. We just had to stay home for that first couple of years while she was growing and it just wasn't easy to go out to eat. And then we actually just really enjoyed cooking at home and just started cooking at home a lot more. And we're kind of a team effort. My wife does the cooking and, um, and I do the dishes when, when we wrap up. So we've got it, we got it down and you do have to be strategic about it, you know, come up with a, a, a shopping list, you know, ahead of the week and, and pre-planned meals, put a little bit of prep into it. But I hear all the time people saying, oh, it's so much work and it's so much easier. That's BS. It's not that much work if you plan, if you come up with a decent idea of what you want to eat and plan some simple menus and shop accordingly. It's not that much work. And if you a team effort and you, you know, you, you get this stuff washed up and you have some person, somebody that can, can wash dishes. It's not that hard. It just takes some some planning. And it's a skill like anything else. Eating at home, cooking, planning meals, it is a skill, but it's a skill that can be easily learned if you take the right steps. Andy and I are both single. The whole family getting together and cooking and stuff like that, that's great. That's awesome. But sometimes when I'm by myself in my house and I'm like, I don't even want to use a plate, so I'm just standing over the sink scarfing down food. And there's something about eating out that's like a little bit more comforting, you know, to that scenario. So uh, talk a little bit about your single self when you were single and, and folks who, who maybe don't have a family to sit down with and make a big meal, you know, it's still important to make food for yourself. And as you know, I was single for a really long time and I prided myself for a long time on, on never eating at home. I didn't even keep food in the house. I would eat out every day. I usually eat about one pretty good sized meal, like midday, I'd go to a buffet, one of these Chinese buffets or Golden Corral or something like that. I'd do a big meal and it'd get me through pretty much the whole day. And it worked for me while I was single. Uh, not the healthiest way to eat. And I think when I was younger, I could get away with eating like that, probably a little bit better than I do now. But for for single people, you know, I know sometimes it's kind of, I think some of you feel maybe kind of lonely, you know, cooking at home and eating alone. And I think we really need to think of food in terms of, you know, the therapeutic value of a good meal and just the whole ritual of preparing a meal, cooking, sitting down and taking that time to just eat a meal. And so much of our culture is tied into to food and eating. And even if we just look at kind of mainstream society, you know, people go to restaurants. It's not just the food. It's the the communal process of being together with people that you know, people that you like, just having a good conversation, laughing. And now what I think the trend is, it's so much more about the experience of being in a restaurant. Because back in, I mean, remember when you could go to a restaurant back in the day and they, they'd serve, you, know, you could order like roast beef and mashed potatoes, or you could order like meatloaf or like, like a fried chicken basket. And now everything's like cool finger food, nachos and hot wings and and uh, the, the food has really changed, but it's also about the experience, like all these places popping up with video game arcades and loud music, right? It's not just going out to eat. You're going out to like hang out and have fun. And I think a lot of people have just really bought into that old idea. And I think there's just a lot of value in just slowing down a little bit, taking some time, cook a good meal at home, whether you've got people to join you or not, and think about the health benefits of just eating a good quality meal at home. And it doesn't have to take a long time if you cook something simple, lots of good recipes out there. I think you're going to find you'll, you'll really enjoy it. Is cooking at home always cheaper than eating out? That's a good question. Not necessarily. You know, and one thing that I will say, especially for healthy eating, fresh fruits and vegetables, that stuff's not cheap. And that is one of the reasons why, as Americans, I think our diets have suffered so much in recent years, because there's so much cheap, affordable food you know, chips and like macaroni products, all these prepackaged dinners, that stuff is dirt cheap. You really can eat cheap on stuff like that. If you're going to eat a lot of fresh veggies, you, you do spend more in some cases. But again, a lot of it's just paying attention to the types of food you're going to eat. You know, we buy like these big packets of, of, of skinless chicken breasts. We can get those for like eight bucks, a big package of those. We can eat like almost for a week, our, our family on those. Um, salads and things like that. Lettuce is still relatively expensive. Tomatoes, cucumbers, family of three, a family of four can eat a really good nutritious meal at home for less than $10. At the beginning of the 31 days, Monica and I went into the studio to talk about some challenges. So I am not excited about the lunch that I brought today (laughs) Um, because I have a can of soup and then some tuna with mayonnaise and uh, relish. 
I think maybe like four or five snacks and that's it. Um, I had every intention of making this uh, zucchini lasagna. Okay. Um, but I had a migraine yesterday. I left work early. I slept all afternoon. I just did not feel like cooking last night. And wow. I had this whole conversation with myself that was like, well, you're just setting yourself up for wanting to go out to eat. <laughs> so I looked in my cabinet and I was like, okay, these things are available. But tuna and mayonnaise? Yeah. Not that exciting. <laughs> Were you trying to make like a tuna sandwich or something? No, I'm just going to eat the tuna with mayonnaise and some. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is the problem we talked about, which is that (laughs) the creativity level is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of me last night. Um, I went to the gym late. And then after that, I was just kind of exhausted and I wanted to just go to sleep. It was like 11 o'clock. And I looked in my fridge and I'm like, I got nothing to eat for tomorrow. So... I looked around, I saw some squash, I had made some tacos uh, over the weekend and uh, had some of those ingredients left over. So I thought, let me make uh, some kind of pasta salad because I also had those twirly noodles Mm. a little bit in the box left over. So I put all that together and it turned out to be really good. I can't wait to have my lunch right now. Um, Some kind of like Mexican pasta salad. But um, uh, I mentioned the weekend. How did your first weekend go not eating out? It was good. I, I made pizza for myself. I made a number of things. It occurred to me maybe like a couple of times about going out. I didn't realize how much I thought about going out, planned to go out, things like that. Like I was out walking my dog Saturday morning and I realized that I had my credit card with me and I live right near a Starbucks Mm -hmm. and a Panera. And I was like, oh, you could take yourself, go get a drink because it's there, you know? (laughs) And I was like, nope, you're not doing that. There's plenty of whatever you want to drink is at your house, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's been an interesting thought process in terms of how much you think about wanting to go out to eat and then don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did that the other night. I went to a play Got out of the play late, and I was just starving. My stomach was making noise the whole time at the play. (laughs) And usually what I would have done is just maybe get something at a fast food joint, (laughs) because I live also next to a couple of fast food joints. Um, But I didn't do that because I knew I had, uh, there was a challenge, and I did have a couple of things in my fridge already. Um, But over the weekend, uh, I made some tacos and not just any tacos. I made some eat tacos. Oh, yeah. You were talking about. Yeah, I talked about that the other day, the other week. And um, they turned out they, they were okay. They weren't, you know, maybe maybe because the week before that, I actually had some eat. So, um You know, and then I had it again. So I think that was like maybe a little bit of fatigue there. Um, But it was okay. And then I had uh, my family came over and they love breakfast. So they made big giant breakfast. And with the leftovers, I made 10 breakfast burritos for myself. So I'm covered (laughs) for at least 10 working days (laughs) with the big breakfast uh, uh, burritos that I made from all the breakfast stuff that my family likes to make. Um, And then I made some classic roast beef with uh, uh, mashed potatoes and some Brussels sprouts. Yum. Yeah. But after my pasta is over, I don't know what to cook. Then I'm going to go to Carlsbad. I'm going to Las Cruces. And I this think weekend? That's, yep, yep. I think that's when I'm going oh. to uh, have to eat out. So you're not going to do the cooler and the sandwiches? Well, we might. We might do that. But then it's like, you know, three meals on Saturday, right? Yeah. We could pack for that. Three meals on Saturday? Or I mean, I, I really want to challenge you to try to really see if you can do it without or at least you know, when you go just do one meal out mm-hmm. as opposed to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we are still going to pack a, a cooler full of stuff because I don't know if there's really anything to eat in Carlsbad anyways. So we would just be taking a gamble. And sometimes on a road trip, I don't want to take a gamble. I'm always like asking people, where should I eat? Where's the cool spots? But this time I'm not really going to put that much effort into asking people where I should eat in Carlsbad. When we were first talking about this challenge, we brought up beer and alcohol. Yeah. Um, I like to go to breweries. And actually this Friday, I think I'm going to be doing like a little Las Cruces brew 
tour <laughs> with my sister and her friend because I'm also a freelance writer for New Mexico Magazine and they're coming up with a beer episode and I'm going to be writing a little something on uh, beer in the south, yeah. uh, south uh, New Mexico. That's work. That's, That's work. work. That's okay. work okay. related. Good, good. Okay. You're you you're okay. Carl's bad is work related too. It is. I'm just <laughs> telling you, like, if you want to up the the yeah. challenge, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll do it. Um, I'm gonna make maybe make another pasta salad with some little uh, sandwich wraps or something like that with nice cold cheese and <laughs> a little bit of tomatoes. I know that you hate eating. Um, like in a car or <laughs> like every meal for you just seems like this event where you sit down. Like if you if you could have China at work and special like <laughs> a cloth napkin, I, I totally could see you like lighting a candle at work and eating your meals. <laughs> Meanwhile, I mean, I'm like standing over a sink. <laughs> like I don't want to use a plate. <laughs> I'm just going to use this toothpick. <laughs> My hand's already dirty from chopping up everything. I'm just going to eat with my hand. <laughs> no, but um, me and my sister were talking about this and we're like, um, you know how you drive all of those scenic stops on the highway? You know, and you're always like, it would be cool to have a snack there or stop and have lunch there, a little picnic. I think we're going to actually do that because, you know, we, we're traveling on the road. I love seeing all these little scenic spots and these little parks and stuff like that. But the only reason why I stop is because I have to go to the bathroom and then I have to get get going back on the road. So this time I think we're actually going to stop and experience those parks and those uh, picnic benches when when I was a kid, we drove from Montana to Kansas to Pennsylvania because we had family there all the time. And, you know, I don't think there was as many places to stop and eat <laughs> when I was a kid uh -huh. it could, because we I, can, I never remember stopping. You know, it was always a cooler and, and those scenic places by the side of the road and eating things like that. Yeah. Yeah, my family too. I remember we took a trip to Los Angeles to visit our family in Los Angeles. And I remember um, sitting in the camper in the back and passing fried chicken over to the people in the front cab. <laughs> my, my mom and dad in the front and then me and my sisters were in the back and we were eating fried chicken that my mom had made for our our road trip. It's like almost like what we're doing is retro. Andy. Right. <laughs> so retro. Let's make it let's make it a thing. And we got back into the studio near the end of the 31 day challenge. All right. So it's like just the beginning of week three of our no eating out challenge. Monica, how did your last couple weekends go? Pretty good. Um, I made some food. It was edible food. <laughs> I'm not making as out of the box, tasty, delicious things as I had planned. It's a lot of, you know, the same old favorites. So I, I need to challenge myself to get out of the box a little bit. Um, I'm finding on the weekends that I really, really, really want to go to a coffee house and sit, have a cup of tea and read my book or write in my journal. And uh, I'm missing that a lot. Hmm. All right. What were some of the, um, maybe like the highlights? What were some good foods that you made for yourself? Mm. I made a tater tot casserole that I thought was pretty good, and uh -huh. I put kale in it, <laughs> which um, people were making fun of me online for putting <laughs> kale in a tater tot casserole. But I'm trying to sneak in as many vegetables as I can get. Yeah. So. At least you didn't put beets in it. That would have turned everything just disgustingly red. Yeah. Tater red tater tots. I would. I've done red stuff cheese. like that before. Like um, <laughs> there's some kind of there's some kind of Swiss chard. I think that's red. It's turned uh -huh. dishes, <laughs> pink chicken <Yeah>. and whatnot. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, some of my highlights, um, I'll talk about what I had today for lunch. I had a bison hero sandwich. Um, Is it gyro? No, it's not gyro. Gyro? The, the, the Greek one. The Greek <laughs> one. The Greek sandwich. So that's what I had. I got it from uh, browsing around on a diabetes cookbook. I made it at home, and it was really, really good. I think it's going to become a regular in my lineup of foods that I make at home. And then the other week, I made uh, chicken tikka masala. 
And I had that for a whole week, for lunch and dinner for a whole week. And that uh, was really a time saver. Those slow cooked meats um, with a little bit of rice because I love Middle Eastern food and Indian food. Um, so that that's what I had for like two and a half weeks last week. Yeah, your lunches looked great. Yeah, so um, so that was uh, your weekend. My weekend, I went to Carlsbad, had to eat out once, uh, but we did, me and my sister, we did uh, fill an ice chest with deli meats uh, to make sandwiches, and uh, we had water and some Diet Cokes in there, so um, that took care of us for a day and a half, but on our way back through El Paso, we had to eat at uh, Famous Dave's. Uh, I'm going to call... BS on that because you told me (laughs) (laughs) that you also went to Burger King for breakfast. Yes. Um, So that's twice, not once. We didn't make up any rule about eating twice. I, you know, I said that it was perfectly okay for when you went to Carlsbad because you were working and everything like that. But you were at your sister's house in Las Cruces where there was a kitchen where you could have made yourself breakfast. (laughs) No, no. We were in Carlsbad coming out of the hotel. Oh, didn't the hotel have a free breakfast? (laughs) We missed it because we slept through it. (laughs) (laughs) The breakfast ended at 9. Who ends their breakfast at 9? You get a D minus for that day. Well, you didn't put it in 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 the rules that you only had one time to eat out for work. For one day. (laughs) But I heard you went to the movies and you had popcorn. Mm -hmm. I did not purchase that popcorn with my own money. Was it a date then? Because that was the only exception. That was the only loophole. No, it wasn't. We said that you could share. If you were eating something, somebody was sharing with you something. Like when someone goes across the street and gets tater gems, we all eat the tater gems that are on the table. So I went to the movies with a friend and he got popcorn. And Mm -hmm. he shared the popcorn with me, and I paid for the movie ticket. For his movie ticket? Maybe. (laughs) So we obviously needed to add some finer print (laughs) to all of this. I went to the movies, and I did not eat popcorn because I was like, that's like a whole meal. That costs as much as a whole meal, so I'm not going to get it. My understanding of the rules were that I cannot purchase with my own money the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, um, so so you mentioned um, actually a couple times last week <laughs> about uh, the pre-made meals that are being advertised to you oh, on social media. This is irritating me so much. I think since we started this challenge, I've been getting these ads even more. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's something called Freshly. And one of the ads is like, cooking for one is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and you know how like the info like uh those those weird like as seen on TV commercials where the the worst thing is always in like black and white first and then it's color <laughs> yeah. when everything's great so the the worst thing first that they're showing like people trying to cook um on in like a frying pan and they're just scraping away at like a burnt <laughs> hamburger and then they just throw the the frying pan into the garbage yeah. and they're like Get this prepackaged stuff, and they're in these little plastic containers. And you just recently did this show about how much plastic we use. Yeah. So it, it's just it's really making me want to rant about <laughs> you know. And I get that people do these meal prep things and they order them. It makes their lives much easier and more convenient. Mm-hmm. But it's like I've declared myself as eating at home, like. Stop advertising this to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I grow up, I want to be one of those actors who's in the black and white. Me too. Like falling over everything and breaking eggs all over the stove. (laughs) Just like clumsiest. Like, (laughs) do your spaghetti noodles go everywhere and someone's throwing spaghetti and then it's like, it's the spaghetti container. Tired of your spaghetti getting into your underwear? There's like six different (laughs) instances of people throwing spaghetti up into the air, (laughs) tripping and falling over the dog. I mean, that's how ridiculous these commercials are. (laughs) Tired of spaghetti stealing your wives away? (laughs) Um, What do you think about like... uh, 
Facebook uh, making you feel bad about your singleness. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it's my own fault because I'm. I tell, uh, you know, I'm I'm honest on Facebook. So Facebook found out, uh-huh. the robot found out, and <laughs> they have to. They also think that I want to lose weight. They think that I um, want to dress like a, a woman who looks like a man. Okay. I don't know how to <laughs> describe it, but it's like very... Gen- androgynous? Androgynous. Androgynous, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's that that's... A bunch of art supplies, um, what else? and then of course tons and tons of dog-related things. It's yeah. it's who you are. It's who you present yourself as on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the other week we were laughing about um, you know this loophole that we have in all of our rules. Like the the one exception I think we mentioned in all the rules was that. Unless it's a date, right. like I was, I was joking that you know I'm, I'm gonna go find a date and then eat something, eat out because I think all the guys in the office they left to go have fun. They did, they and did, the, and, and we were like, just you sitting wanna there. come with us? And we're like, no, unless it's a date, I'll go with you. Unless it's a date, and they're like, no. <laughs> They, none of them are single, yeah, so I mean, you single. can't you can't like take that as like a personal <laughs> slight against yourself. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. would, but all of them probably would have paid for us to go if we had asked them. But the other rule we have is there's no begging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what do you? How how would you work through that? Like, say you did nab yourself a date, um, <laughs> <laughs> then you're, do you just say, "Well, you're gonna have to pay for me." Okay, in you know, fantasy land. I don't land. think these days, you know, I don't think these days it's always up to the man to buy, yeah. you know, dinner. I think these days it's kind of it, I equal mean, rights and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> in the past, my experience has been like um, that a lot of guys are like, there's an unspoken rule. If they ask you out, then they'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you sort of agree to go together, then you split it. I mean, every date that I go on, at the end of the date, I reach for my wallet, make an effort to I make sure I bring cash. And because I don't want to be seen as like this kind of person who expects to have everything paid for and and stuff like that. Um, But because I can't do that, I can't reach for my wallet. I think I would just say, like, I'm doing this no eating out challenge thing. And uh, so I was wondering if you wanted to go with me to walk my dog. <laughs> oh, that man, like after you finish the meal and dessert and appetizers and drinks, you're like, oh, by the way. <laughs> no, no, that's that's straight up gold digging, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not gold digging. That's part of the rules. <laughs> I think it's I think it's better to tell them up front, like, just so you know, I don't have any I can't spend any physical money. <laughs> No American dollars. No American dollars goes into this here. <laughs> or a walk in the park, or you can meet at the park and bring drinks or something like that. Maybe um, I can see by your face that those all sound like terrible dates. <laughs> in a in a paper sack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a wino date. <laughs> I was thinking like a thermos of coffee or something like that. I love how you just like went there. I brought this six pack. Let's just sit on the bench over here. You know that one Arroyo? <laughs> Let's go to the Arroyo. And I have a six pack. Yeah. So um, we're going to have lots of dates. Yeah, we got plans. we got like less than two weeks to go out on a date, so <laughs> I'm still I'm still looking around. So. Are you Are you looking around? <laughs> I downloaded an app. That's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's too adventurous on yeah. those apps. It's like really, I just want, I want somebody who just works as many hours as I do and doesn't like to do anything. <laughs> I know. You're not going to find a lot of dates when you sit in your house and watch Netflix <laughs> <Yeah>. cook. <laughs>
And the challenge was over. I mentioned my parents, uh, they joined me in this challenge and I talked to my mom about it and she said the challenge reminded her how much she enjoys cooking. She cooked new things like chicken piccata and pork chops with a cranberry chutney. She said the most challenging part in the 31 days was finding all the ingredients for the things she wanted to cook. Uh, my parents live in Crown Point on the Navajo Nation, where the grocery store doesn't exactly stock everything. And here's me and Monica's wrap up. So, Monica, we're done with the 31 days of the no eating out challenge. How do you feel? Woohoo! I feel great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited uh, that we did this challenge. It definitely like opened up my mind to uh, new possibilities of self-control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, my parents also joined in on this uh, No Eating Out challenge as well, and I think that made it a lot easier for me too because they're sometimes here on the weekends and um, usually we're going out to eat somewhere sometimes two to three times a day when they come into town. But this time, no eating out. They would bring, you know, a, a, a trunk full of groceries or go to the grocery store as soon as they get here. Or I would have something already kind of made for for everybody to share. But um, I think that's what made it really, really cool for me. Yeah, I was really excited about your parents, uh, too, <laughs> joining the challenge, because like early, early on in the challenge, you showed me this picture that they sent you of sandwiches that they brought with them on their trip to Gallup one day. Yeah. And I just I was so excited about it. I was like, you know, this uh, this whole challenge and, and what I'm trying to do with natives on a budget is is about behavior change. It's about looking at some things in your life that maybe you want to change, you know, like I'd like to have more money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then figuring out how do I go about changing that kind of behavior, whether it's with challenges or small steps every day, things like that. Right, right. For you, what were some of the most difficult parts about um, not eating out for 31 days? Um, I guess the hardest thing was on the weekends, I really love to go to coffee houses or um, here in Albuquerque, we have this place called Flying Star um, with my laptop and a book. And I'll sit, I'll camp there for like maybe two hours and um, have a cup of tea or maybe have a small dessert or something like that and get a lot of writing done. And um I missed that. And I didn't realize how much, because I live alone, how much time I spent, uh, you know, not talking to other people. And there was a certain amount of socialization that went in, even if it was just like to go and order food and sit Mm -hmm. in the cafe. Um, So that was really hard for me. But everything else was pretty easy. Cooking for myself. um, I have a pretty good food prep game going Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think because it was a challenge and I felt like I needed to win for some reason, (laughs) Um, I I really upped my food prep game. Uh, Now that the challenge is over, it's like... It's like we're, like I can't find the time to food to to meal prep or cook for myself. So after the challenge ended, just kind of went back to my same old habits of going and getting things to eat. But at the same time, when I'm going to these places to to order some food, I'm always thinking, you know what? I could have made this at home. I could have saved this much money if it rang up to $7 or $12 or something like that. And I'm um, thinking a little bit differently about giving my credit card over to somebody for some pre-made food, some fast food, some food from, you know, a a nice fancy restaurant. But I think that was... um, Meal prepping wasn't really a challenge during the <laughs> 31 day challenge because I, I felt like I'm, I'm doing this challenge. I'm going to save money and it's for the podcast and, you know, it's a it's a competition or something. Yeah. So you need to find that whatever that motivation, that underlying motivation that mm-hmm. was was there for you and find a way to re- replicate that whether it's you have to do another challenge or something like that because I you know I already I'm like I'm going back on the challenge this is ridiculous I've already gone back to eating out way too much yeah and 
So, you know, I think for me, what I'm going to do is I'll just go out to eat when family comes to visit because we've talked about this before. My family lives far away, um, not as close as yours. So when they come, it is a big celebration and I want to be able to go out to eat. But otherwise, I don't need to go out. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you're just a little bit disappointed with um, what what's in front of you, like damn it, I could have made this myself. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, you know, this challenge made me want to take on another challenge. Um, you know, I go to a lot of concerts and a lot of live uh, shows. So I'm thinking that if I want to buy a ticket, if I want to go to a concert or a live show, I am going to not eat out for two to three weeks, depending on how expensive that ticket is. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you need to motivate you because you love going to concerts, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's for me, that would never work because I hate concerts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But maybe something like um, like a challenge where where you're like, if you go out to eat just once, I'm going to your house and letting your dog out and to roam the neighborhood or something that would scare the hell out of me. I don't know. Do you want to do fear-based behavioral change? Is that a good idea? I don't know. Fear-based or pain-based. Yeah. Um, so let's put it into more of a perspective here. What, um, how much money do you think you saved? Can you give me a, a dollar amount? Well, the month before, I spent $57 eating out, and the month before that, it was uh, 83 I mm -hmm. believe. Um, so I would say somewhere in between those two is okay. what I saved. Wow. You want to know how much I saved? Yeah. <laughs> I tallied it up from March 11th to April 11th, which April 11th was, was the first day we started this challenge. Um, from March to April, I spent... $302.39 on food, eating out. How many concert tickets is that? One for a big band. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who pays $300 to go see? If you want to be in the pit next to the stage for, you know, Iron Maiden or Slipknot or any of those big bands at Isleta Amphitheater. That's what you would pay. But, you know, all the little concerts that I like to go to, that's about 10 shows. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? To me, obviously, I think that's like a lot of money. Yeah, me too. I know you, <laughs> I went to go tally these things up and, and you watched me kind of start and get into my bank account. And you're like, you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> you tallying up all those numbers and I kind of hate myself a little bit. $302 just that, eating out. That's what... Um, a little bit less than what I spend every month on a student loan payment. Mm -hmm. So for me, that would equal, a, you know, an extra student loan payment. Um, if you want to put it in under other perspective, it's probably a month's worth of groceries. Uh, I don't know. How do, how's your grocery game? My grocery game is uh, pretty frugal. I know. Um, yeah, because you're eating out all the time. <laughs> no, well, um well, during the challenge, um, some sometimes my parents would leave the food that they brought and and um, leave it in my fridge, so I would have some food to to last me at least half a week. So I think for this challenge, I didn't get, I didn't buy as much groceries as I would if it was just you know a regular month without a challenge, without my parents taking this challenge too. But I would say telling it up, I probably went shopping for myself about grocery shopping maybe four times. And each trip, usually when I do grocery shopping, any time, any month, is about, you know, 20 to uh, $30. Oh, that's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because I eat in season. Um, I go to, I look at the grocery ads usually that come in the mail. And I get things that are on sale and things that are in season. And... um Hmm. Yeah, I don't buy too much meat. Yeah, meat that's is it. where it'll get you. <laughs> yeah, it adds up. Yeah. So, what do you think? Are you gonna continue with three hundred dollars a month eating out? No. No, I'm not. Because <laughs> that's almost sickening. And I was looking at where this is going, what what restaurants, and a lot of it's like fast food. Yeah. Fast food. Um. A couple of really nice restaurants that, that are definitely worth the price. 
but I don't I don't think I would be going to fast food. I only after the challenge was over, I went to Burger King once. <laughs> and then that was it. That was all the fast food that I had. And we've been out of the, out of the challenge since you know, for a couple of weeks now, right? Mm-hmm. So what about you? Like I went through the drive-thru at McDonald's this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it's all about planning for me and you know, I had this massive migraine yesterday and I woke up late. I had deadline day, had all kinds of things due. Excuses, excuses. I was like, there's a dish, a sink full of dirty dishes. Mm-hmm. Last thing I want to do is make myself breakfast. Couldn't even pour myself a bowl of cereal. I have cereal. <laughs> so no, no good excuses. None at all. Yeah. So I'm back on the challenge starting tomorrow. And I, I wasn't competing with anybody. I, I didn't realize you were competing against me. <laughs> Maybe I would have. It's always a competition. Yeah. Everything. That's really unhealthy, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. It was fun to do it and um, and to get other people excited about it. You know, Shara and Justin from Natives on a Budget are doing it right now. They decided to join us and your family joined in and it's my really... sister, even though I, I asked my sister just like the other day, like, are you done with your challenge? Because she was like, damn it, I need three more days. And because she, she's um, uh, in a doctorate's program and she just got just bombarded with writing papers and her finals and everything. And she was just in a whirlwind of emotions and stress and everything like that. So um, she had to, you know order order a couple things out and that kind of stretch it I don't I don't even think she's done with her challenge yeah. she's gonna stretch it out till July if I had known that she was uh trying to do it in the I mean I know that she's in the PhD program I would have told her not to do it <laughs> there's no way you need that extra stress added to you, you yeah know? well I did make a trip down to Las Cruces to meal prep for her I remember that yeah. that was so nice yeah it was because she was just in the middle of you know you know chaos <laughs> and so i went down and i i did a couple of meal prep stuff i made her a whole freezer full of breakfast burritos so she can just take it out and and warm it up and then i made her a whole bunch of um a couple of salads and then uh chicken piccata one of the things that i didn't really do in this challenge that maybe now i can i can focus on is i just cooked all the same regular things that i always cook uh-huh. The stuff that you're like, just disappointed in me when you see me bring it to, for lunch. Just a piece of chicken with soup with barbecue sauce on it. Oh, that's the best meal ever! Piece of chicken with barbecue sauce. That's like, you know, somewhere around the Whopper area. Really, that's like my I favorite thing ever. <laughs> but um, what about maybe like socially? Did this like? close anything off to you open anything up to you um, my friend Jack Soto was in town and he wanted to go out to eat and then was like oh no wait you're on your challenge and then but then I ended up not being able to meet with him anyway so <laughs> I don't feel like I missed out on anything at all I didn't go on any trips or anything like that I didn't go on any dates mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly you know stuck to myself so I think that 31 days is great, but I, you know, like a real challenge would be like a year. My yeah. year of eating in. Like, yeah. I saw a blog of, of some people who did that one time. And it was just, they had gone out to eat and they were just disgusted and irritated with what they had gotten. It was like they, they went to some beer garden and got hot dogs and the hot dog buns were burnt and they paid $18 for two hot dogs and two beers or it was even more. And then they were just like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. The whole year. And then they just <laughs> blogged about what they did and everything like that. I think that that would be a much better challenge. You know, it was, this was a good starter challenge for us. Yeah, it was. I mean, but it, it really kind of um, it changed my perspective of my eating slash uh, spending habits too. Um, and then, you know, on the same thing, like watching other people, you know, act around us. Um, just today, uh, Sol, our intern, he came back from his lunch and just sat down and expletive. <laughs> He's like, you know, you know, you know, on this challenge, can you um can you buy beer? Can you drink beer? And I'm like, 
yeah, are you thinking of taking the 31 day no eating out challenge? And he's like, yes, <laughs> because he was so disgusted with the meal that he had for lunch. Um, he said it, he he said it was just a little morsel of crumbs and that equaled up to $20. What? And he had Where to did he go. I, he went to some vegan restaurant because oh. he's vegan. Yeah. In quotes. <laughs> On and off vegan. Um and uh, he had a Taco Bell bag in his in his hand, and he's like, "That wasn't filling. I spent all this money, and I still had to go to Taco Bell <gasps> to get a decent lunch for myself." <laughs> so I think he's gonna take the challenge. I don't know. I, I I talked to him about it, and I thought he lived in an apartment in a like a one room in a house, and he only had a microwave. And I told him, like, don't bother because you're just going to be setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know what his situation are, is. Are we being snobby? If I, Am I being snobby if I tell him, like, you, no, you can't No, it's realistic. I mean, we'll see for, how far he can go. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's not going to, like, kill himself <laughs> trying to do this challenge. <laughs> I think it. what you're doing with this is you're asking for your money's worth of things and you're figuring out what you value and do I value going on vacation and going to concerts or being able to help my family out when there's a funeral or do I value eating at McDonald's every day? Mm -hmm. But then, um, you know, you, you, it's not like I eat it at, you know, people eat at McDonald's all the time. People who love food like I do, um, we enjoy going to some of our favorite restaurants where we know we're getting what it's where I'm comfortable paying for what it's worth, paying for whatever they set their prices for. Um, I'm paying for, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get like all cheesy, but you're paying for like a piece of culture. If it's something mm-hmm. like Indian food and Middle East, for me, I love Middle Eastern food. I cook it at home and I also just love to find all the restaurants in town and eat there. Um, and and, and that's experience. like a really good experience for me um, to do that. And, you know, every now and then I don't really like to like, you know, explore too much unless I know people who are really talking about this, this one restaurant or talking about this one chef, then I'll go over there and try it. But it takes a lot for me to like, just go and spend money and try something that I really have no idea about. Because the disappointment is so intense for you. You're yeah. so, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> I, sometimes I wonder if you're going to throw a chair because you're so <laughs> upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah, expletives instead of chairs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so so there's there's you all you also have to find out that kind of um, that part of your eating habits too. I mean, re- do you really enjoy you know, the, what you get from a full restaurant experience? And I don't think I'm advocating for it. you shouldn't eat at restaurants at all. There's a reason why, like, every other building in a city, in a town is a restaurant or an eating establishment. I would say I'm trying to follow, like, um, I like Dave Ramsey. He does uh, financial literacy. And, you know, when you're in debt, he says you shouldn't see the inside of a restaurant unless you work there. And that's kind of what I'm trying to follow. I mean, I totally respect, you know, the restaurant industry and – for me, when I start eating out again, what I want to do is really focus on local, you know? I just don't – I don't want to give McDonald's any more of my money or these big <laughs> chains, Panera and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I think I'm going to put my money where my priorities are. Yeah. Remember that whole year I did no chain restaurants, no fast food? Yeah. And you got your family kind of on board for, for that one too. When yeah, I forced them into it. Was there grumbling? Yeah, there was grumbling. There was an argument or two. But then after that, um, they kind of got into it Um, because my family's already kind of open to exploring new things and new restaurants. So that year is when I really like tried a lot of things, a lot of new places. Sometimes I was going in there blind. I was sometimes disappointed and then I was sometimes not. And that became, you know, in the regular rotation of places for me to go eat out. So restaurants are costly and some people think you shouldn't visit them if you're in debt. Hmm. I really love 
being in restaurants. And I believe there's more value to them than the average person really thinks about. I asked Ben Jacobs, co-owner of Takabe in Denver, how he figures out the menu prices there. For us, from our approach, specifically for what we do, you know, we wanted to make sure, first and foremost, that our food was accessible by any and everyone. So that's why our approach is straightforward. It's order at the counter. It's, you know, uh, guest and crew interaction, communication, you know, creating dialogue, but also talking about the food. Um, So in that setting of a restaurant, you know, it's not a fine dining setup. It's not um, table service. You know, you can kind of demand or at least ask higher prices. So we wanted to make sure that our food was approachable and accessible for sure forever, but at the same time, providing good, high-quality food. So for us, from the if we're looking at it from the business context, um, you know, we build menu analysis behind everything we do. So let's just say, um, for instance, you know, we use uh, about four or five different cuts of bison for our braised shredded bison. Now, those can be anywhere from 8 to $9 per pound, which is expensive. You know, people don't buy that in the store, you know, and they just for their home a lot of times, okay. um, unless it's a special occasion, things like that. But then once you cook it and you start accounting for loss, meaning when, you know, like the, the meat renders down, then that can go jump to a 11 to $12 a pound price point, you know. Now, for us, when we give you, you know, four ounces or a quarter pound of meat, then we have to account for that just for one item, you know. So then when you start thinking about the menu and how you build a price is what are all the components that are going into one dish and what is the price? Even, you know, beyond that, thinking of wild rice, let's say wild rice, it's a dry product, but then once you cook the water into it, so, you know, then it fluffs up, it's lighter, it goes further. So then you kind of have to then develop how much each item costs, and then you have to find the proper margin from a business standpoint, you know? So that makes it that makes it tough because at the same time, then you have to think about the, the team members that go into making that, um, you know, and paying their wages, things like that. So kind of going back to what your, you know, your coworker said is that's, that's kind of, I think, the difficulty and the complexity and also the frustration for a lot of restaurateurs is because people don't want inexpensive, cheap food and they get grossed out when food is cheap. But then if it's too expensive, then it's like how, how you know, I can't believe they charge this amount. <laughs> so as restaurateurs, we ride like this very, very fine line of like mm-hmm. making sure that we can make people happy and make people, you know, enjoy the food and come back and also make enough money that the doors stay open and we are able to pay our crew members a livable wage and the lights are on, you know, so it's, it, it's a very tough balance, but that's what we do. We, uh, we build a menu analysis constantly. And so I can tell you what one ounce of, kind of everything costs, you know, as it rotates throughout the season. All right. And you mentioned, you know, you're paying these, uh, you're paying your employees to, so they can pay their bills, so you can pay your bills. Um, And you're also offering, you know, a a service to the community. I mean, there's a reason why every other building in a city is a restaurant. Um, So how important are restaurants to a community? I guess just speaking from what we do and what our approach is and from like our restaurant, I think restaurants in general, if we're speaking in that, I think they're really important to the community just because it's a good outlet for people. It's nice to be able to go out and spend time with your family or your friends and not feel like you have to clean up, do the dishes. And it's fun to just go out and spend time together and share a meal because that's one thing we do every single day is eat. And especially when you can go out and eat together, that's really enjoyable. You know, but for us, I think, and those that are in, you know, the native indigenous cooking community, I think that it's really important to the community because there aren't a lot of restaurants or catering companies or chefs and cooks doing what we all do. Um, So I think from what we do, it's incredibly important because we can be, you know, a community establishment where it is a place that people can share who they are and share their identity, their community, their culture. Um, So if we're speaking from like a native indigenous standpoint, I think it's incredibly important because we can be a source of um, collection um, in the community and people coming together and having a space to share. But in general, I think that restaurants are just important because I do think that we all have so much going on in our lives. It's nice to be able to treat yourself, especially to a meal that is out and about and you feel special. You know, a lot of us, when we were kids, you don't go out very much. So when you got to go out, even if it was, you know, to get a slice of pizza or something like that, you know, you felt like it was something special with your family. And so I think that restaurants are incredibly important 
Yeah, definitely. And I don't think people also think about restaurants as um, education for your palate, uh, because you can you can definitely buy ingredients for all kinds of different dishes that you might see on TV or you might be inspired by, you know, some kind of commercial. But, um, you know, sometimes there's a whole level of education you get just by sitting at an Indian restaurant for some people, a Native American restaurant like Takabe or a Japanese restaurant. I mean, some of these things you don't have at your kitchen. Uh, but when you go yeah. out and you taste around and you broaden your palates, you usually do that at a restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that that's where you really experience culture. And again, now we're talking mm. about more like specific style restaurants like us, not, you know, thousand unit places that are on every other corner. But <laughs> like you're saying, like, you can go and you can enjoy some incredible Ethiopian food and be like, wow. And exactly what you're saying, like you can learn flavors for your palate, you're like, wow, I didn't know what this was. But at the same time, like, you're incorporated into the Ethiopian community, you know? And, like, that's really cool. Being able to take away something as, as a restaurant guest, you know, I feel like we should take away not just a delicious food experience. We should take away more than that. We should take away something about what the approach and, and really also, I think, for restaurants, but a lot of average, you know, just restaurant guests kind of miss is that people put their heart and their soul into what they do. And there are a lot of small mom and pop places and mm -hmm. it's super meaningful to them. So to be able to take that away and, and not just walk and be like, you know, it was okay. Sure. Like to each his own, not everyone likes the food, but food is so much more than just that. So I think that we can take away learning, you know, learning flavors, but the same way we can really take away learning about each other. And I think that's just as important as you know, the aspect of uh, learning new flavors that you haven't experienced before. Of course, of course. Yeah, I think that was one thing that um, this this podcast episode was missing is just that part of the experience of being in a restaurant is you get more than just a plate of food for your money, right? You're, you're getting the experience, you're getting, um, you know, education for your palate and for your own food identity too. Um, and they're also important for the economy. Uh, tell me how restaurants are important for the local economy. Well, I mean, just talking about where we are now with restaurants, restaurants are thriving probably, you know, better than they ever have before. And more people are finding success more and more opening all over the country. Um, and they are a huge economic driving force for communities because, again, people people want to go out, people want to eat, people want to experience not just always eating it at home. And so I think it's a huge economic driver. It's a, it's a huge job um, driver for the community, which, again, is further impacting the economy. I mean, that's where we are now, I, you know, in the, in the restaurant industry, even on a national level, is that restaurants are thriving so much that there's just not enough workforce to – like within the industry to kind of maintain what's going on. So it's great because it does drive so much. My fear right now is that we're going to start finding a balance, you know, like how many can kind of fit um, in, in communities. But, you know, it's super impactful. I think one thing that we need to think about beyond just like the impact of like people coming in and what a restaurant does is, you know, as I as I always like to say and remind people is at a restaurant, we're just the last ones to put something in front of you to eat. But the amount of people that are impacted along the way from those that have uh, grown the food to those that have, you know, brought the food to those that have cooked and prepared the food to put it out to you. You know, a restaurant is a an economic driver in so many contexts. And that's why I love what it is, because you also create so many partnerships, friendships and relationships in a restaurant because you are not, you are a specific business, meaning you serve food, but the food business interconnects you with so many people. So yeah, I think that it's a incredible, you know, economic driver for a lot of communities. It's just, you know, finding the balance, finding the, you know, the way to succeed within this business is difficult. That's one thing that I always like to reinforce is I think that food TV in many ways, um, the beauty of what Netflix and things like that has done has made restaurant industry look easy. Um, and it's not, and it's hard for a lot of people and it's hard to succeed. And we should support those that we believe in and we should put our efforts behind those that are really, really striving to create, you know, food communities, food economies. Uh, because again, there's people behind that. Um, and that's not just the people that own the restaurants. Those are the people that create the food for the restaurants. So those are the people that show up every day and work really hard and, 
and try and prepare food for you. You know, as, as we always say, it's nice to have someone to your home and provide a meal to them. That's what people in restaurants do every day. So being supportive of them, I think, is something that we all need to do is just say, you know what? That was great. Thank you so much. Like, you know, they are restaurant, restaurant tours, those in the restaurant um, world from cooks and chefs to servers, you know, they are service industry. You know, it, it is nice when people support you when you're, you know, you want to support them and provide them with a good meal like they are a guest in your home. So there are many complexities behind a restaurant, but it's, it's a beautiful industry to be in. Um, but I always like to make sure that people know that it is as, as, as difficult as many other professions. Some of the other things I really liked about the challenge was just the the being able to sort of process through and talk about, you know, like, what's what's allowed? Was Is this allowed? Is that allowed? You know, I love that your parents were always calling and being like, can, can uncle take us out to lunch? You know, and <laughs> we went round and round about like, okay, can someone take you out to eat, but it has to be on a date or something like that? And then I remember <laughs> I went to the movies and um, I, I, the person I went to the movies with had popcorn and you said I was cheating. Yeah. Yeah. I said you were cheating um, because I was like, is that a date? But, you know, it... you know, it was not a date. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> he's the same guy who asked all of us out to go have pho. And then we're like looking at each other like, unless it's a date. And they're like, <laughs> all of no. them, like all the guys in the office were going out for Vietnamese soup. And uh, <laughs> and they asked uh, if we wanted to go with them. And Andy's like, unless it's a date, all three of them are in relationships. So I was like, Ugh, embarrassing. Don't do that. <laughs> well, when I went to the movies with somebody who invited me out to the movies, it wasn't really, it wasn't a date. It wasn't a date. Um, it, I had that dilemma in my head because if I think you were cheating by being offered some popcorn, then... Was I cheating when he offered me a piece of his pizza? I did not accept your premise that I had cheated. <laughs> we could, sh- you could share food. It's not eating out. The the exact like laws that you wrote in stone and put on our office door said something like, <laughs> "You can go out to eat if somebody else pays." Basically, if if it said if somebody is paying you back for a favor or it's a date. Oh. Otherwise, see if you can cook for the date. Well, he was definitely paying me back for a favor because I bought the movie ticket. Ah, was that another loophole? Hmm? <laughs> I think I can have three handfuls of popcorn at the movies <laughs> and it not be considered cheating. Yeah. For me, I didn't eat that pizza he offered me. I was just like, <laughs> what? I looked at it and I'm like, well, no, thank you. He just ate the whole thing. I could easily eat one of those pizzas. <laughs> well, it was like a small a small, maybe about as 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 big as your hand. All pizza can become personal pizza if you try hard enough. <laughs> right. Just kidding. That's a terrible joke. Mm. So we know that I did not really hit my goal of trying some new things and went with the usual weird, modified, casserole, semi-healthy nonsense <laughs> that you see me slop into work every day. Um <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Did you make anything good? Yeah, uh, early on in the um, in the challenge, I made this gorgeous roast beef. I still think about it today. I'm going to put it into the rotation of foods that uh, I make uh, every now and then. But it's with um, a stout beer and mushrooms. And I fried up some uh, Brussels sprouts and then made some homemade, um, of course, homemade, uh, mashed potatoes with it. Just very classic, very good. And I whipped up a gravy really quick. And that's what me and my family had that first weekend of the challenge. It was so good. Yeah, I saw it in your lunch. Yeah. It looked really good. It was really good. And then, of course, we made tacos. Um, I made tacos, uh, beef tacos, steak tacos. And then um, I actually tried an achit taco. I think I mentioned that at the mm-hmm. beginning of of the challenge, but I actually made it. It wasn't as good as I thought, um, but at least I tried it. I think I'm the only one in the internet land to make an achit taco because there, I Googled it. There was no pictures. 
There was no mention of any achi tacos. <laughs> if you make a page about it, then you'll be number one in the Google listings. Ooh. That was Monica Brain. Look for her upcoming podcast on financial wellness. I will keep you guys updated on that. Toasted Sister is supported by the Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation. It plays regularly on KCZY Radio. That's the Navajo Technical University radio station in Crown Point, New Mexico. This podcast is also part of the weekly lineup on The River. That's R-I-V-R. Check out theriver.net to hear some contemporary Native music and Native radio shows. They also have a River app. And music was created for Toasted Sister by C.W. Ione. Check out this rockin' duo's Mississippi Hill Country Blues on Bandcamp or at cwayone.com. That's C-W-A-Y-O-N.com. I'm Mandy Murphy, and we'll see you around. Mm-hmm.